What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined once again by both Coach Andrea and by Jody. Um, thank you guys, as always, for being back. Yeah, we love being here, Jeremiah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Our team is in a very sarcastic mood, it seems, today. <laughs> Everybody bear with us. First of all, I want to take a second to appreciate the sound quality. Um, <laughs> Jody, do you have anything you finally come out of that well? <laughs> well, you know what? I am gonna. I'm since we're in our sarcastic mood. I think it was best described by someone who maybe put it in the comments that Jeremiah has previously sounded like he was in the bottom of a well. <laughs> yeah, I want to bring that up actually because I'm gonna look up this review right now because I'm expecting more <laughs> from this guy. All right, let me find it now. Hopefully, I'm not like breathing into this too much. Well, the sound quality is well improved. I just have to also say that I have been on Jeremiah for, I don't know, a few months about fixing it. So I'm glad that we finally got there. So Rune 35, October 1st, 2021 said, Jeremiah, I appreciate the consistent good content on this podcast in addition to your other effort, online efforts, but please, brother, invest in a decent microphone and acoustic so that you don't sound like you're in the bottom of a wishing well. Um, <laughs> Your guests have better sound quality than you do as a host, and that needs to change to get a fifth star from me. So, Rune35, whoever you are, I am expecting that fifth star because this sounds fucking phenomenal now. So, actually, the most stupid story ever. So, as you guys can see, I bought this entire new setup because, Jody, you know it hurts my feelings when you talk about the sound quality. You specifically, for some reason... It's like, uh, that really grinds my gears for some reason. I'm like, okay, am I going to keep just <laughs> getting, in, getting? I don't know how to describe my reaction to that. It's just a weird variety of emotions I feel whenever you message me about that. Or am I actually going to do something about it? So I did it. And then I have a Yeti mic as well, which traditionally sounds super good. And so um, I was like, I've messed around with the settings of it for forever, trying to get it to sound better. And then I like came across something that was like, hey, you can't use this upside down. And you guys know how it like hangs, how it's like upside down. So actually, yeah. this is the first podcast I've recorded with this. The other ones, it was literally just my mic was upside down the entire time. It's so much better in team meetings. Like uh, before it would be really, you have to get your face so close to the microphone for me to be able to consistently hear you. And it's so much better now with it just flipped right side up. So big improvement. I'm glad to hear that. All right. So that said, <laughs> um, Andrea, anything new as far as physique updates, things you have going on that you want to fill us in on? No, I wish there was something new for you, but it's all exactly the same as we've talked about. <laughs> Every other time there's been zero change at all. So yes. hopefully I'll have some new updates for you at some point to be a little bit more interesting. Jody, how go the glute gains? Well, I was going to say I don't have much to add either. I do feel like I'm getting stronger, which is super cool and exciting. I'm going to go ahead and say this, but I went out to dinner with my girlfriends last Thursday and I came downstairs and we don't really talk about our bodies too much in, in our family. Oh, well, my son really wants to have six pack abs, but whatever. I come downstairs and my 10 year old daughter goes, mom, your butt looks good. <laughs> I was completely beaming. I, d I just was like, thanks. But inside, I was like, you have no idea what that means to me. So I don't know. Apparently, what uh, Andrea's programming is doing and the work I'm putting in the gym may be working. 
I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad it's going well. Um, from my end, let's see, Minicut has been going really well so far. What I've been like 193 to 194, so I'm six to seven pounds down in the last three weeks. Um, as I was talking about on our team meeting, it's been really cool to work with Brandon. Um, he's definitely uh, ex- exceeded my expectations even. And I think just from knowing Brandon, I had pretty high expectations for, for like what it would be like to work with him. So that's been super cool. Um, been very dialed in as well. Like we had the trip to, we, so this last weekend we went, well, the last like Wednesday through Friday, actually, we went on a little trip up to North Arizona and just went to the Grand Canyon, went to a uh, horseshoe bed and a lot of cool spots like that. And it was, I mean, and I'm on a meal plan right now. So just literally through, this isn't how I would normally, like, I wouldn't honestly recommend this to a client to even do this because I don't think it's like realistically how people want to. But I also feel like we as coaches have an obligation to like do what we ask our clients to do and then more, right? So for me, normally like a trip like that, it would be a lot more flexible. I probably would like grab some jerky, grab some protein, but I literally prep every single meal so I could stay on point with the meal plan, threw it all in a cooler, ate out of this big ass cooler for like three days. And I mean, he, he was like, dude, you can be more flexible with the meal plan. So I like worked in a glass and a half of wine in there, I guess. But it was still like, it's been, it's been cool and helpful. Like from a client perspective, I don't, I haven't really, um, we're getting kind of deep here, but I had this, I had this thing in this time in 2020, I don't remember what happened, but I like had this realization that I like care more about, I, at the time I cared more about other people's perception of me than who I actually am. Like I care more like what, how people perceive me than like, if I actually am that thing, like people think I work hard versus am I actually working hard. And I know like I've talked about this a lot with you guys in the past, right? Like our actions should speak for themselves. And that's kind of where it's came from. But I feel like that's kind of led to me not really talking about like what I'm actually doing with my training or, or like showcasing that at all. And it has been cool to like see that's very helpful. Like in, interestingly enough, like with the steps, for example, like my step goal just got bumped to 14.5 K, which is admittedly quite a lot. But I mean, like, uh, it's helpful because ironically, I feel like most of the people, most of my clients that are struggling with their steps that I talk to consistently about needing to get their steps up are actually the other coaches that I coach. So it's, I think even from that perspective, it's helpful to show like, hey guys, like <laughs> we really can do this. Like we can make it happen. So that's been cool. I feel like it's brought like, even like getting that amount of steps and like the meal plan has just forced me to be so structured to make everything work even like the supplementation routine that i've really really enjoyed that so yeah things are going well have a couple more weeks here yet and i'm pretty happy with where we're at good i think you're your training yeah so i'm training i'm doing what day one is chest and lats chest and back so i have some upper back there as well day two is lower Day three is again chest and back. Day four is lower, and then day five is delts and arms. I'm liking that pretty well so far. What's that? Go ahead, Andrea. <laughs> go, you go, Dodie. No, I was just going to say it was really nice to, I mean, as you talk about, you know, even leading by example and stuff, and our, uh, seeing a picture of you and how you're that, that V shape and your back development. I mean, it's really great to see because you're putting the work in. So you look great. Thank you. It means a lot. Andrea, what were you going to say? Are you liking the training pretty well so far? Like, is it very much different from what you had been doing? Yeah, I have liked it a lot. Um, 
I would say from an exercise selection perspective, it's pretty similar, very similar to like okay. a program for a client and very similar to what I was doing before. Um, we are using like a descending RIR. So week one is like three RIR. Week two is two to three RIR, one to two RIR one, which is more like the closer to like a Renaissance periodization style. But I know he doesn't do like the traditional. So it's like zero to one RIR, zero RIR. And then we assess from there, like, hey, do we do we need to deload? Or are we in a good position to keep pushing? So I'm I'm interested to see how that goes. But yeah, I've been I've really been enjoying the training. I don't think it's not much different, honestly, than what I would program for myself, which I enjoy. But again, like as we talked about before, like I needed to have that out of my hands. And also for me, it's really helpful. Like I'm very much if I have someone like that that I respect and they say do this, I will do it. Right. And I'm not gonna miss. So it's just it's so helpful for me to have that aspect as well which i think is a lot of the value of coaching also like andrea actually both of you i know you're both the exact same way right where and i mean part of a big part of coaching too is working through with clients like the emotional side of things because not everybody's like that and it's okay to not be like that but it's also like i that that for me is like one of the biggest values of coaching is just having that additional source of accountability for sure cool yeah Um, absolutely are we ready to dig into questions? We are. I'll go ahead and start with the first question that came our way. Um, we've talked a lot about adaptive rigid metabolisms. Can uh, How do you know which one you have and can it ever change? Who wants to feel that one first? We'll take this one. Um, so we've talked a lot about, yeah, this idea of adaptive versus rigid metabolisms, which I don't think rigid is like the right term technically. That's just something that I've started to call it. Um, but I think people will say like spendthrift versus thrifty. For me, it's yeah, that's so confusing. I know I can never keep it straight. So I say adaptive and rigid, right? So basically when we look at adaptive and rigid metabolisms, some of this is just going to be to an extent, we can change it, yes, but also some of it is just going to be like your genetic blueprint, right? So basically, when we look at someone that has an adaptive metabolism, this is someone that tends to downregulate or upregulate movement a lot based on their calorie intake, right? So this is that individual who, as we feed them more, they're going to do a lot more pacing, fidgeting, blinking. They're going to do things like, hey, I'm like, I'm going to walk and check the mail every day or like, hey, my haircut's only three miles away. I'm just going to walk there instead of drive there, right? Just all these little decisions like that, they'll make to where they're burning many more calories. So they'll see a big upregulation in non-exercise activity thermogenesis or NEAT when they're eating more. But on the flip side, when they're eating less, they'll see a larger downregulation, right? So for individuals like this, it's typically both harder to gain weight. Their body is basically very good at maintaining homeostasis, right? So typically what we'll see is it's harder for them to gain weight, but it is also harder for them to lose weight, right? Their body is like very adaptive when we downregulate calories, they downregulate energy expenditure and vice versa. So thus it's very good at kind of just staying where it's at. Now, to an extent, can we change that? Yeah. Um, so for example, if you've never been tracking your, and the, really the biggest way to change this to an extent is going to be your steps, right? Where like if you would have never tracked your steps in the past and you enter a fat loss phase, well, probably what was happening, like if you really struggled to lose body fat was you weren't accounting for the fact that your steps were decreasing. Like, let's say before they were on average 7,000, if you had an adaptive metabolism, they might drop down to like 4,000, right? So you weren't accounting for that. So just tracking your steps and trying to push your steps to like the higher end of what's realistically feasible for you within a day, to an extent, we can control that. Now, there's still going to be things like how much you fidget, how much you blink, 
that we can't really control that much, right? And those are going to be the, that's going to be kind of that piece that's just your genetic blueprint. So I would say like, at least in my opinion, people will always be kind of skewed towards either you're more adaptive or you're more rigid. Now on the flip side, people who fall into that more rigid metabolism camp, basically they don't see nearly as large of upregulations when they're eating more food. So thus it's easier for these individuals to gain body weight and to gain body fat. But on the flip side, they also don't see this big downregulation in movement or as large a downregulation in movement when they're dieting. So it's a little bit easier to lose body fat, right? So on one end, we have these people to where like, hey, you may be able to eat a ton in a building phase and still maintain, but it's harder for you to diet. On the other end, we have these people who, hey, it may be a little bit easier for you to diet, but it's also a little bit easier for you, for you to put on body fat. So to an extent, we can adjust like Yes, we can somewhat control this by looking at our daily movement, setting step goals, and increasing our step goals. But I will say you'll always, there will be some things, again, like your pacing, your fidgeting, just the really subconscious movement that you're not intentional about that we can't control as much. Anything else to add to that from anyone? Yeah, so I, I feel like there was a, someone that um, Steve Paul was talking to about this on his podcast, but I know it was on one of his episodes. He had a really good conversation about this topic with himself and um with, with his own experience he's got a really flexible metabolism one of the things that he notices whenever he ramps food up he just like goes to the bathroom like so often throughout the day and it's just like this thing that that's something that you literally can't control at all like his body is just like getting rid of nutrients because he's taking so much in and um so like yeah you can ramp up your steps but i think what Nothing going. Uh, <laughs> well, you can ramp your steps up and you can try and uh, accommodate that a little bit, but there's some things like with your body that you just gonna, you're going to have to kind of accept with how rigid or flexible your metabolism is. Yeah. It's super interesting. The other thing that comes to mind actually is the weighted vest thing. So, for the mm-hmm. listeners who have been following for that long, last year I did. Um, a weighted vest experiment where as I lost body weight, I replaced it with um, weight I was wearing in a weighted vest. And this wasn't like just on my walks. I wore it six hours a day and I hated that vest so much by the end of it. Like I would rather diet extremely aggressively and do like 40 minutes of cardio a day than wear that thing for six hours. Cause it wasn't, it was like not just on my walks, but I was like at my standing desk. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Like part of Part of metabolic adaptation, your metabolism not regulated, it's just going to be your body. You literally have a lighter body, so it takes fewer calories to move that lighter body. So the idea here is like if we're replacing weight with um, like in the weighted vest as you're losing it, then we won't get that regulation. And also this idea of Gravito stat, which is basically this idea that like your bones actually sensing this additional weight on it is part of your metabolism and like how many calories you burn in a day, which I don't know how proven this is. I know they have like rodent models where James Krieger has a lot of interesting research on this. And I have a, I have a good blog on this. I'll link up in the show notes that describes it a little bit more in depth, but they actually like inserted weights inside of these rodents. And they did see that they did see basically like it helped much better preserve their metabolic rate, which was super interesting. So, I mean, (laughs) I don't know how realistic this is, but I think like (laughs) there may be some, and I mean, I did see a quicker rate of loss than I would expect with the weighted vest experiment. That said, like in my experience, it still wasn't worth it. Like I think I was thinking about it the other day, like maybe I could put it on like for my walks, especially if I'm walking 14,000 steps a day, like that probably would add up to a difference. But I still would say like for most people, especially people that don't 
aren't like an online coach, but have like a job in corporate America, for example, you probably don't want to have to like wear a weighted vest six hours a day and stand at your desk and do all these things. So I don't know how realistic that is, but that is an additional factor (laughs) that we could implement. Well, I definitely don't miss seeing that weighted vest, Jeremiah. (laughs) (laughs) It was truly the worst. You have no idea how it felt so good to just take that off every day. I can't imagine. I was like, damn, it must be crazy and terrible to be pregnant. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's so bad, and it's like that's not balanced. I so, anyways, um, I don't think I have anything else to add to that unless anyone else does. Just a, just a reminder that I carry twins, so just imagine how uncomfortable that was. Yeah, kudos to you, and that's why you're so shredded now, right? Mom stream. <laughs> what do we got next? All right, next question. Um, the person that wrote in, she said she reverse dieted for eight months. She's been cutting for four with some diet breaks. She's only lost three pounds. I feel like I've done everything right, but not seeing progress with the cut. Are there any tips? She also mentioned you lost her menstrual cycle. Oh. Uh, what that red dot was? Yeah, that's a, it's a blood <laughs> drop. Um, <laughs> Andrea, do you have any insights on this? Do you want me to take it away? I feel like I have so many questions before I could really give anything on this I would want to know what her current weight what was what was she doing before she reverse dieted you know she lost her cycle because of total time dieting or is it because she's so lean like I just have a lot of questions did you was this your your question Jeremiah Jody it was yours it was mine no I didn't I didn't dig any deeper into that I with that there's a lot yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into that. So first, she she reverse dieted for eight months. So it sounds like she spent a long time building up her calories, and I would assume mm-hmm. at that time like her cycle was relatively normal. Um, I think within that, and again, like that's that's a thing where it's so nuanced, it's so dependent client to client that we can't say for sure. Like, hey, here's exactly what she would do, right? So within that, what I'll say is first, like she said, she's lost three pounds in four months. Is that right? Okay. So, so definitely seeing a very slow rate of loss. Now, like once we work through the normal caveats that are like, Hey, are you tracking your food accurately? Are you consistent? Are you actually in a reasonable size deficit? Right. And understanding like, are you, are you measuring your steps? Right. Like we have to understand also, like if it's a small female, the reality is she might just have to diet a little bit more aggressively to lose. And this is like, before we dig into the the menstrual cycle piece of it, which is another important part. But on the flip side, what I would say is like, if you are in this place where like, Hey, I'm doing everything right. My calories are already very low. Um, it's just such a grind for me. Anytime I try to lose body fat, um, I'm already like missing my cycle. I would, I would say like with, with the menstrual cycle, I would also look at your biofeedback, right? Is biofeedback has biofeedback pretty consistently been again. And typically like, I think this is a kind of a different scenario where like, Normally, if it's like biofeedback is very good, um, everything is in a good place. The fat loss phase is going very, very smoothly. I know we were talking about this on one of our mentorship calls with Alex as well. Like the fat loss phase is going very, very well. Things are moving along very nicely. We still have calories relatively high. Biofeedback is good. Sometimes there will be a time of like extreme stress that will come up where like, hey, you're moving or you're, I I don't know, like uh, something, a tragedy happened in your life. And 
that can partially be the cause, right? So sometimes it could be helpful in that case to like, hey, maybe we do just take a three-day refeed. We focus on just eating more carbohydrates specifically. Um, I believe that carbs are going to help further stimulate luteinizing hormone, which could potentially be helpful in getting your cycle back. Um, and then within that, like we're really going to focus on just trying to reduce, like maybe take a weekend and really just like treat yourself from like an emotional perspective. Like you're going to take a bath, you're going to go on a date with yourself or something in that nature. Right. And really try to drop stress. And then like potentially it could just be a stress thing. That said, what I'll say is like, this seems to be a chronic thing where it's like, Hey, I'm doing everything right. I'm still not losing body fat. My cycle is very regular. That's where I would push a client to like, Hey, this probably still isn't because it sounds like, it sounds like with her background, this is me making assumptions, but with her coming from like I reverse dieted for eight months. It sounds like she may have had a similar issue to this in the past. And that's where I would say like, hey, we probably probably would want to at least temporarily stop dieting and get blood work done and try to look at things on a deeper level. That, that, would, be, that would be my take for this client. Do you have any additional? What I was thinking too is get some blood work done and see what progesterone and estrogen are at. For, for her to revert, and also like how long into that reverse diet was it before she was at a maintenance intake because she could take it really really slow and still be like not eating to the full capacity of her metabolism until deep into it and so have only spent like a month like truly at maintenance and then get right back into a deficit um because if she's losing her cycle that quickly into it but not seeing a lot of weight loss it does sound like there's maybe something going on with her hormones and then i'd also look at micronutrient status and see where you can improve that too that's a great insight yeah and i I also feel like like anytime i like put these ideas out there i also feel like we just need to give credit to our mentors like i know alex bush is someone we learned a lot about like most everything they talked about there and then brandon is another person who uh, like has really talked me through things like this as well. So I want to make sure like, like for the listeners, I just want to like give them credit also for like who we've learned from. But within that, um, I think that's a great point because like, unless you're in this place where you've gotten extremely lean and that, that is part of it too, is like for a lot of women, once we drop below these essential levels of body fat, your cycle just isn't going to be there because your body isn't going to too for many. It's, it's going to be, I don't want to say that as a blanket statement, but oftentimes like it can just be, Hey, you don't have enough body fat. Right. So if you're extremely lean, if you're like to the point where you're shredded, that could potentially be the case. But again, like in this scenario where it doesn't sound like that's necessarily the case, it doesn't sound like she's been in the state of low energy availability or basically calories coming in for a long period of time. I would again think probably you would want to just get some blood work done in at least until you have a little bit more clarity on what that looks like. Probably stop dieting, which is, I know, a hard thing to hear. Well, I was going to add too, Andrea, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I feel like your rate of progress at times has been really low when you're in a cut and there are a lot of different variables. So maybe this is something you can relate to as well. Yeah. Um, also I would say like blood work was the thing there too, because I've seen like really grindy results. And even with that, like I I would also say look at your pictures measurements and see if there's be- progress being made there if it's not showing up on the scale because I've also had that where I've gone through the really long cut with Jeremiah where my my scale weight barely moved, but I looked completely different in pictures. So 
That's a great insight also because you only lost five pounds. And that, mm-hmm. was, but that was like six months, right? Yeah, it's really long. Right. And, but you got shredded during that time. Um, so, I mean, and the, that's kind of a separate consideration aside from the menstrual cycle. I would say like with what you have going on, yeah. I would still probably recommend stopping dieting and getting blood work done until you have at least a little bit more clarity in that regard. But yeah, for sure, those other metrics of progress are such an important piece as well. Yeah. And for that person who asked the question, uh, life extension is a really good place to look for blood work uh, panels because then you can get them done. There's a really extensive panel that you can get drawn and you don't have to go through the doctor, which is just a little bit more complicated because they typically don't want to draw all the things that you'll want to look at. Um, another, another good one is nutrition dynamic. So if life extension is having a sale, it's around 200. Nutrition dynamic is always around 200. And the one that I will almost always ask my clients to get is the com- comprehensive weight loss panel on life extension. And it's named something similar on nutrition dynamic. Perfect. Anyone have anything else to add to that one? I do not, but I'm going to piggyback off of that question, which is since we're talking about um, hormones, uh, Casey wrote in, she said, um, birth control related, what can help with water retention that she has a five pound difference in um, water retention um, during that time of the month? Is this hormonal? Any advice? So I, I asked her what type of birth control and she said it was a next point on implant, which I had never heard of. So I looked that up and it's a form of progestin. So essentially she's going to be taking like a form of progesterone. And so with that type of birth control, you're essentially always going to be in the luteal phase of your cycle, which is the last two weeks leading up to the menses period. So you're less insulin sensitive in that time period. So um, uh, one thing that you could do is check your blood glucose and see if your fasting blood glucose or your postprandial blood glucose is a bit high. And in that case, that means that you might need to do some additional things to improve blood glucose control. And that could be um, timing your carbs with fast, like making sure that you're um, spacing out your carbs in fairly even doses. So this is a bit different than the advice that we would give with um, pre-workout nutrition. But then also along with that, um, taking advantage of the post-workout window and having some carbs in that window because you're going to be more insulin sensitive at that time. You could also use something like berberine, which is going to improve blood glucose uh, numbers and also um, postprandial walks. So like after you eat a meal, hop on the treadmill or go outside for 10 to 15 minutes and walk. And that's going to really do a lot for your digestion and your low glucose control. Um, So that's that's my main take on that because uh, that's really the the main issue that I know about with that type of birth control is the blood glucose or the um, insulin sensitivity. I, I'm not really sure what else is going to affect water weight. Um, so I don't know if you have any insight on that, Jeremiah. Yeah, will you repeat the question one more time just to make sure I understood it? Yeah, she's just saying it's uh, birth control related that she generally gains about five pounds of water weight. Is there anything to help with water retention? 
So it's just like a specific time of the month that she gains five pounds or is it just like... I think it was after the implant. Okay, so after the implant. Yeah, I mean, I would honestly defer to Andrea's answer there where it's how do we know that this is necessarily water weight, right? Because I wouldn't, I would probably still look at like the insulin sensitivity portion of it um, and just the way like as a whole, this has changed your hormones. But I would, uh, that's still probably what I would look to because I mean, from a water retention perspective, like if we're making sure that you are digesting your foods well, you're choosing foods that are digesting well, if inflammation isn't extremely high, which, and I mean, even within that, like the first week of a new training phase, for example, typically inflammation will be much higher if we introduce new novel movements and things of that nature. But honestly, past that, like, I'm not necessarily going to be too concerned with, hey, here's a strategy we're going to do to like get you to drop water weight. It could just be like, hey, your hormones are different. Your body has shifted because of that. And so maybe we need to take a different approach to your lifestyle as a whole rather than like, I need to like use this specific strategy to just drop these five pounds of water weight. Does that make sense? Because I think it's very hard to, for us to actually measure like, okay, was this actually body, body weight? I think so basically my answer would be the same as Andrea's there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I was younger, it's weird because we always talk about how much does like the, the scale matter in that sense. But I mean, I've always heard the myth that birth control can make you gain weight. What's, what's the insight on that or the background on that? Is it generally just water retention? So within that, I mean, again, similar to what we discussed before, like, so Andrea, like as Andrea said, so basically like if you get on this like this specific birth control, I'm not sure which one she said, but basically she's always in her luteal phase, which is the time when we are going to be less insulin sensitive. Our body isn't going to be able to process carbs as well, basically. Like over time, that could lead to some weight gain. And there will be other, like it won't be like directly okay because of that. We have like immediately, bam, we're going to gain a lot of body fat. But it, I mean, it can even impact things like your mood, which can carry over to like how much are we moving? And again, basically how well your body can manage these different nutrients. So like there's, there is some, there is some truth to that, but it's more like an indirect, it's through an indirect route, but yes, it can happen. I mean, it's kind of like, like does injuring yourself, does like breaking your arm or breaking your leg, like automatically mean that you have to gain weight. That might be an, kind of an overdramatic example. No, but indirectly, like, yes, we're going to, we might like this might lead to us doing less of the thing we do this might lead to us changing like our dietary preferences might even slightly shift which over time can lead to that so there is like some truth to that but it's not like okay because i like started this specific birth control automatically i have to gain like x amount of weight does that make sense i don't know if you have any additional insight there andrea yeah it might also be something where you kind of play with your macros and see what makes you feel best if i so usually whenever we're uh, talking about how to set up your macros, we'll say, let's start with the lowest amount of fat because there's not a ton of benefit to increasing above and beyond that. And then we set protein and then filling carbs with the rest of that. So carbs are maxed out essentially. In this case, maybe instead of 0.3 grams per pound of body weight in fat, maybe you take it up to 0.5. And then that naturally is going to reduce your carbs or keeping your calories the same. So you can see if you feel better and if you feel better, you're probably going to be, you know, more likely to move around and you're training better and you're digesting better. And it, all of that leads to keeping your body weight at a 
a little bit lower baseline. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, perfect. I do want to get on to the next question if you guys are cool with that. Um, this person wrote in, they said they have 25 days to prep for a strenuous hike. Do they do cardio, a stair stepper? What should I be doing in preparation? I would try to be a specific. So I'll, Go ahead. I'll preface this. This is my sister. <laughs> and they're going, so they're in Springfield, Missouri, so not a ton of great hiking, and they're going to Canada to hike. So <laughs> she's less than a month out and wants to now prepare for this. <laughs> Did you have any insights that she wanted to start that off with then, knowing the situation? Yeah, so usually I would say, like, the more specific, the better. So get out and hike, put on your backpack and, like, all the heavy stuff and get out and do a hike. But in her case, like, it's going to be flat around there. She's going to have to travel at least a couple hours to get anywhere nice to hike. So in her case, I think stair stepper is actually a pretty solid option. So I know that she has that at her gym. That's a pretty challenging machine. Like it's going to get you used to the vertical <laughs> movement. So in terms of cardio, I think that's actually a pretty good uh, option to use. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think that would be very helpful. I would also like if she's, are they going to be like packing around? Yeah, I mean, they're not camping outside, but they're, they're like, you know, going on pretty long hikes where they'll have their backpack full of stuff. Yeah, I would also like get used to just carrying that backpack around. Like I would wear it on your walks. I would, it's similar, taking it back to the weight vest thing, like the first <laughs> few days of wearing that were brutal. Like my lower back, my traps were absolutely destroyed from wearing that just for like six hours, right? So if she's carrying around like a 20 to 30 pound backpack, I would for sure, like I would go consistently. I would, I would for sure try to keep your step count pretty high and as much as possible without that, I would actually like wear a weighted pack around. And I, this might sound like overkill, but if you don't feel like, a, if you don't mind just like taking it to the gym and actually getting it on, hopping on the stair mill. And I wouldn't like, I wouldn't push for a strenuous pace on the stair mill by any means, but I would just like get your body used to climbing and also wearing that. I would, I would say really though, like I would consistently try to get on the stair mill in that case specifically. And I'm not sure still like what the duration of this is like, no matter what, she'll probably survive and be just fine. But I would try to get in there at least three days a week and get in like 45 minutes to an hour on that consistently, basically just getting exposure to that type of work. And I do also think like, I wouldn't try to push the pace by any means. And the reality is you're not going to want to replicate like we're talking about specificity here, but you're not going to want to like, okay, I'm going to go do an eight hour trek on the stair mill. Right. And then I'm going <laughs> to build a little fire yeah. um, <laughs> for some berries or anything like that. But um, I would try to, again, like at least three days a week, really for cardio, for cardiovascular adaptations, a large part of it is actually going to be like, if we can push the volume of that relatively high, we can gain those adaptations relatively quickly, right? Again, it doesn't have to be necessarily like eight hours, but if you can do three to four times a week for 40 to 60 minutes, and especially like if you can work that weighted pack in a few times, then you'll get a lot of those adaptations quick, pretty quickly and you should be in a decent place for that. Now, I think a lot of it is just time on your feet in your specific shoes because <laughs> the, the biggest bummer on a long hike is just like, foot pain from blisters on your feet if you're not used to wearing those shoes around a long time so i mean she's in pretty good shape so she'll be fine on the actual hike 
duration, I think. But um, yeah, I think just adding that little bit of cardio along with just getting some steps in in those shoes is going to be the best thing. I'll say along with that, like anytime I have a client go on a trip like this, I always like to make sure they have available, like very easy, convenient carb sources and protein sources. So like taking along things like dried fruit is really a great option here with like, I'm a big fan of dried prunes, dried apricots, things of that nature. What's that? Dates. I take those on hikes. Dried dates. They're so good. Yeah. Those are great too, though, because... They're very convenient. They are non-perishable, but also you can get a lot of carbs. Like with like three prunes, which are basically the size of three large grapes, you can get in like 25 grams of carbs, right? So you can very conveniently get in more carbohydrates, which is basically just going to help you avoid being in this place where you're extremely low energy. And I'll normally instruct clients like, hey, maybe every two hours, we're going to try to eat about 50 to 75 grams of carbs and about 20 to 40 grams of protein and like of course if we get some fats in there like things like trail mix can be helpful like the fat isn't going to necessarily be quite as important of a variable here but maybe like yeah we could bring along some trail mix some mixed nuts things of that nature basically just make sure you have convenient fuel to bring along um rice cakes can also be a good option here um i know i mentioned jerky protein powders um maybe protein bars depending on how well you digest protein bars but on the flip side like a lot of people protein bars will just wreck your digestion and that's not what you want when you're in the middle of the wilderness just like hiking so i probably would avoid that but i would make sure again that we're like bringing some fuel along in that aspect as well yeah that's a good good addition cool well since we're on the topic of food uh this transitions nicely last question for our listeners i don't know if you follow us on instagram but we have this little salad war salad gate war uh it's been coined or hashtag so uh i got a question on what is our favorite salad topping Mm. jeremiah i don't i think i don't even know if you go first or last your salad you have like (laughs) on the daily it's it's a sad, sad world, Jeremiah. <laughs> um, so, Andrea, you know what, Andrea, you're going to take this one first. I like, so there's, there's only really two salads that I make consistently at home. One of them is arugula with chicken and roasted root veggies. And then there's a brand called Odang that makes hummus dressing. So it's just like chickpeas. Yeah. pretty much and blended up with water and evening. Um, that's really good. And then one that is, what is it? Pistachios and chicken. And um, it's like a Southwest salad, but I went to this place called Torchies that had a salad that had pistachios on it and it was so good. So I've been, I've been doing that at home sometimes. So those are my only two go-tos. Definitely better than turkey and mustard. <laughs> That's what Jeremiah brings to the table. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's hear what you got. Well, my favorite topping generally for salad is I love um, pickled red onions. Mm. Personally. Oh, yeah. But my favorite salad and I get so excited for for lunch um, is I generally make in the summertime um, like a spring mix or an arugula with strawberries, blueberries, um, feta cheese, sliced almonds, and chicken. And then I'll do like a raspberry vinaigrette. It is just, 
it makes me so happy when I think about lunch and it's so fresh. So that's like my favorite salad, um, berries with feta and um, some chicken, but pickled onions, red onions is probably my favorite salad topping. Absolutely. That, does sound that all sounds good. Yeah. So the salad gate thing has been, that has actually been fun. That's been cool. That's been another like awesome thing to see everybody kind of hopping on board with. I got um shout out to, Jay Crouch Fitness, who just, I just, she just comes to mind because she just tagged me in like her salad. It's cool to start seeing people like even outside of our like coaching company, people are now like tagging me in these salad gate posts, which is cool to see. Um, <laughs> it's, re- it's really going. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if anyone actually wants my take on salads. I very much with most of my food, it is very utilitarian. Will it get the job? Very gross style, for very, sure. Very much so, and it's like I do like, like I really like when Katie, like Katie's great at making macro friendly recipes, and she'll like make food, and it's like, damn, this tastes so good. This is how do you do that? And she's like, oh, well, it's not really that hard, but um, <laughs> or yeah. So my salads are typically straight up just spring mix. I will throw some ground turkey on there, and then I will. <laughs> what I've been doing is mixing mustard with Splenda to make honey mustard. Um, yeah, but that's gross. Is that really your favorite salad topping? <laughs> so I would say my favorite. I mean, if we're just, are we just choosing salad toppings or are we talking like macro friendly salad toppings? I think your favorite, it, right? Yeah, your favorite. Oh, well, for for sure it would be ranch. I like, I, I love ranch. Um, I would just, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I could, I could just douse it. I could just swim in a pool of ranch, honestly. Aren't you <laughs> We heard the Andrea's voice. Oh, you guys don't like ranch dressing? Are you serious? Some like mini mini corn dogs and ranch dressing. You're gonna tell me that's not good? Here we go with Jeremiah's ten year old food selection. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, I would say ranch would be my ideal dressing. Um, things that I actually think taste good that are also macro friendly from a dressing perspective. If you go with like a fat free balsamic vinaigrette. Honestly, that's a very good option. Um, that's typically going to be my go-to, and I've kind of gotten burned out on the mustard with Splenda. Not really doing it quite so much for me anymore. So, um, also keep in mind though, like where I'm at. Very similar to what I was talking about with like I brought all my food along for like our trip, right? Like, is that realistically like is that something sustainable or something that most people want to do? No. Is that what we tell most of our clients to do? No. We're going to work through like, hey, how do you want to manage this trip? What are the trade-offs? But right now I'm in this place where I am willing to do whatever to make the quickest possible progress, right? And that includes eating mustard and Splenda <laughs> mixed <laughs> and salad dressing um, instead of going even with like something that's going to be like 20 calories instead. That said, like typically for my big ass salads, I would just go with a fat-free balsamic vinaigrette, which I believe is going to be like 20 calories per two tablespoon serving. Pretty solid there. If calories like didn't matter, and Walden Farms also makes like zero calories, but it's actually like there's one gram of carbs from fiber. There's one gram of carbs from sugar alcohols. Um, uh, I don't actually know if they taste that much better than the mustard, but they look like they're dressing. So you can kind of pretend it's like thousands. So I have had them and... Uh, thank you for at least like talking about pre-made dressings because Walden Farms makes some decent dressings that I don't mind. And then the same with Skinny Girl you can find and she, they make some pretty good dr- uh, salad dressings yeah. as well. I do the balsamic or the raspberry vinaigrette. 
Um, balsamics, like the vinaigrettes are typically your best bet for a low calorie salad dressing that tastes good. Again, if you're trying to get like zero calorie ranch or zero calorie thousand Island, it's kind of like, uh, this is no, yeah, right, yeah. Boathouse Farms has pretty good ones that are low calorie. Those are bomb. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's my two cents on that. Anything else to add? Wow, Anyone else want to take a shot at my salads? <laughs> Well, I think Natalie does a pretty good job on that on the regular uh, on Instagram. <laughs> she does. I am, though, genuinely impressed with everyone's salads. I just, uh, it's like it's you just eat it and it's gone. And I don't really want <laughs> that much work into a salad. It's It doesn't, just doesn't really make that much difference for me. So, but I can appreciate how beautiful everyone else's salads look. Yes, you're all about function. We appreciate that. Jeremiah. I also love that Andrea's suggestion was show us your big salads. <laughs> that <got laughs> me up so much. That reminded me of uh, at our last team meetup. I, I don't know if I should actually even put this out there. One oh my gosh. I'm just really good at saying awkward things without trying to say awkward things. <laughs> at our last team meetup, we were all talking, we were talking about how our team compliments each other so well. And Andrea said, yeah, we really fill each other's holes very well. There's so much context that you're missing here. And I was, everybody was just like, nobody said it. <laughs> that was just the funniest thing. And I, show, show us your big salads reminded me of that for some reason. Yeah, yeah, it did me too. I didn't even think about it. And then you pointed it out and I was like, oh man. <laughs> well, I actually, I knew you were going there. I heard like the first three words and I was like, she's going to say we fill each other's holes. And it just, <laughs> Couldn't stop me. <laughs> uh, on that note, um, anything else you guys wanted to add to this podcast? No, no. I think okay. we uh, we're, we're keeping it classy, right? Absolutely. <laughs> in it. So, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in. If you enjoy the show, if you appreciate the sound quality, leave us a five star rating and review. And as always, if you want to apply for coaching to work with our team. Um, we will keep it much more professional than we did at the end of this conversation. Hit the link in the show notes to apply to and we will catch you all next time.